morning and a warm welcome to the very first episode of Money Talk Extra. I'm Peter Lewis. It's a personal finance program for you and about you. Each week, we aim to delve into issues relating to your money, your investments and your finances with some expert guests who will aim to answer your questions and help you find resources that could improve your financial well-being. We'll also look at some of those life-changing events that can impact your personal financial situation and provide some impartial advice from leading experts in their field in Hong Kong. This week, we're going to look at issues surrounding single-parent families, and our Money Talk Extra correspondent, Jimmy Lam, talks to a single mother in Hong Kong, and we shall try to address some of her concerns. And we want to hear from you. If you have any questions, want some advice, or have suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss, just email moneytalk at rthk.hk or go to our Facebook page, Money Talk Extra, on RTHK Radio 3. For our first programme, I'm joined by David Kneebone, who is the General Manager of the Hong Kong Investor Education Centre, an organisation that's been very supportive of this new Radio 3 programme. David, thanks for joining Money Talk Extra and for your enthusiastic embrace of this new personal finance programme for Hong Kong. Thanks for having me on the first show. So here we are, an international financial centre. How financially literate are Hong Kong people compared to other financial and business centres around the world? On some measures, Hong Kong adults do really very well. In terms of financial knowledge, number one out of 30 countries is measured by the OECD. But when you go a little bit further and you think about attitudes to money and actual behaviour displayed, we tend to fall down a bit. We've got a bit of an issue with planning in Hong Kong. We don't tend to plan for the long term in terms of our money. 29th out of 30th, in fact, in terms of that same study I was referring to from the OECD. And why is that? Because... Often your finances are affected by things that go on in your life, some predictable, some unpredictable, but yet people don't think ahead? Well, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons, I suspect. One, we, uh, we like to do things relatively quickly in Hong Kong. Mm. It's a very fast society. Plus, I think there's a number of people that are not too sure about the future. Now, if you want to delve into specific reasons, I'd point you to Hong Kong University's Public Sentiment Index. We haven't done our own research in that area. We've only uncovered this issue recently. Financial planners have been telling me for a year or two. We've now got evidence that shows it. So we're going to be looking quite clearly as to, to what, what the reasons are in time. People who are fairly wealthy tend to have access to good financial advice. I should imagine that it's harder for poorer people to find access to the sort of resources and advice they need. Is that a fair assessment, would you say? Well, yes, um, to a certain degree. Three quarters of us in Hong Kong adults tend to turn to friends and family, primarily for financial advice, and that creates opportunities and challenges. Now, nearly 40% of people will turn to the media, for example, um, information from sales staff on financial products, maybe another three out of 10. And then finally, um, 20, 25% information you find on the uh, social media and just on the internet in general. So there's a range of different sources that people can turn to regardless. I haven't really begun to talk about the professional sector, of course. But um, whether you're wealthy or not, regardless if you need a financial product or service, uh, there is a lot of information available. David, when you're ill, people will happily go to the doctor for help. If you have a legal issue, you'll happily go and see a lawyer to get advice. But it seems to be hard to get people to admit they have financial problems, need help, need advice. How important is it to recognise financial issues, get the right advice, take steps to control your finances? Or are many people in Hong Kong still burnt 
from issues in the past? I suspect many are. It's amazing when we research that key question, how often issues around 2008 and prior Mm. continue to come up. There's a long way to go for the finance sector in general to gain the trust back that it used to enjoy often in decades prior. So in some ways, I don't blame the people of Hong Kong for maybe being a little sceptical. But we would encourage people to turn to multiple sources of information to hopefully make a really good decision about any financial product or service that they want. As I said earlier, if someone's just turning to their friends and family, it's probably not ideal. And three quarters currently do. Understandable, because that's who people trust. We would recommend you also looked at independent and partial sources professionals in the sector, talk to banks, talk to insurance companies and talk to the intermediaries and around it and where you see consistency in a recommendation that suits you, it could be the answer in terms of what's right for you. So are there cultural issues involved as well in the sense that in Asia people tend to rely on their families more than they do in the West? Is that also a reason why people don't want to go to outside sources of advice? Friends and family are, are near the top in most developed nations, actually. It's not, not just a Hong Kong issue. It's higher here, and I suspect that may be because of the fact, as I mentioned earlier, some people have been burnt by, um, by uh, some issues that have occurred here in the past, more so than in other developed nations. Having said that, um, there are multiple sources of information, and we would really encourage people to explore a number of different sources to make a good decision. One of the problems is that people see financial issues as being complicated, maybe financial education as being boring. How do you make it interesting? (laughs) Well, from our perspective, being there at the right time is really important. So the challenges that people have as adults in Hong Kong tend to revolve around those life, those things that happen in life that really um, make a difference. Getting married starting a relationship, having a child, the education costs of that child. Those are the start points when people begin to think about what am I going to do with my finances? Then they go to, do I need to borrow? Do I need to invest? Do I need to insure? Uh, So being there from our point of view at that first point is really, really key. So lifestyle issues are very much linked to your financial issues. This week on the program, we're going to talk about single parent families. Is that a common issue that you come across in your work here in Hong Kong? It, it is common in some sectors. I think I'd estimate, without having the facts in front of me, up to about 100,000. David, thank you for coming on to the programme this morning and for your organisation's support of the new programme. You're welcome, and thanks again for having me. That's David Kneebone, who is the General Manager of the Hong Kong Investor Education Centre. We've just mentioned single-parent families. I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Becoming a single parent is one of the biggest life-changing events that can affect your personal financial situation. It's painful both emotionally and financially, even more so when children are involved and there are issues over custody, housing and maintenance to be sorted out. Our correspondent Jimmy Lamb spoke to Terence Moy, team leader at the Caritas Mutual Aid Centre for Single Parent Families and single mother Ella Lau about some of the issues that single parents face. According to the census in 2011, there are about 81,000 single-parent families. And what are the financial difficulties they face? Um, the two main uh, difficulties are the maintenance and the housing. Some of the payer, they may refuse to pay the maintenance. And if they refuse to pay, the payee can only um, go to the court to sue the payer. They may uh, need to spend money to hire a lawyer or spend time to go through the procedures. Uh, For example, like uh, applying the legal aid. 
And also, if they uh, go to the court, they need to spend uh, a lot of time. Some single parents uh, told us that um, they are suffering from uh, stress and emotion disturbances. And I've heard that there is potential legislation amendment about the child custody in April. And what's the potential impact on the single parents? Yeah, um, uh, I think in now the judge will assign the uh, child custody to uh, either to the father or mother, or they may have the joint custody. But uh, if there is a uh, law reform and and uh, if the legislation council pass the parental responsibility model, it means that um, both the father and mother they have to negotiate or compromise for the issue of the children. If either one would like to take the kid um, to oversee for a month, they need the approval from the other ex-partner. If he or she refuses, then they have to go to the court. Actually, in some countries like Australia, um, it shows that there is a big increase in the number of court cases for single-parent families under the parental responsibility model. So, um, if it pass the law reform, uh, I think most of the single parents will be suffer. And moving on to the housing expenses, how is it like for the single parents? Um, now, um, most of the landlord, they may have, they may not provide contract or sign any contract with the, with the single parent. So they can easily um, raise the rent. But for the single parent, they have a little bargaining power. It works because they don't want to spend a, uh, a lot of money in moving. If they need to move, they have to uh, pay for the deposit and two months rent uh, uh, to the to landlord, and they have to buy the, the, the furniture. So it's a, a lot of uh, cost to them. And now let's turn to Ella. Can you tell us your story and financial situation? Yes, of course. I have two child, one aged seven and one thirteen. I have divorced with my husband seven years ago. Now I live in North Pond in a very small flat, less than 100 square feet. It's a subdivided flat. I get 7000 from maintenance and 2000 from a part-time job as a domestic helper. But I will spend all the money. For example, I paid 2000 for meals and transport, 5000 for the rent, and about one to 2000 on private class and medical. So you don't really have much to save or invest. Um, have you thought about reducing your expense, like moving to a cheaper place? I still want to stay here because the domestic helper hourly rate higher on Hong Kong Island side, 80 to 90, then new territories, that's only about 60 to 70. And also, the property agents and landlords not prefer tenders with children because they may make lots of noise and disturbing the neighbours. And on the income side, it's the maintenance inflation adjusted? No, same among all the years. If I want to have more, I need to collect evidence of the other half's salary and apply through court and let the judge to decide. And when my kids become adults or over 18 years, maintenance will stop.
if they can get into university, I need to pay for the school fee. It's about forty thousand per year. So, I prefer to work hard on my part time rather than just relying on the maintenance. That was Jimmy Lamb, firstly talking to Terence Moy, who is the team leader at the Caritas Mutual Aid Centre for Single Parent Families, and then single mother Ella Lau. I spoke to Ellen Lee, program manager at the Women's Foundation, to see what advice she could offer Ella to help her improve her financial situation. In Ella's case, she's barely making ends meet. Is she? She receives seven thousand in maintenance from her former husband and earns two thousand a month as a domestic helper. Against that, she spends five thousand in rent, two thousand in food and transport, one to two thousand in extracurricular activities for her children. What do you see, Ellen, as her main priorities? What can she try and do to improve things for her and for her two children? Yeah,、um, I think there are two two things that she can do. One is like to try to reduce the, say, the the expenses, and the other one is try to increase her income. And in the aspect of reducing the expenses, I think probably Ellen can consider using the community resources. In her local communities,、uh, when I say community resources, I'm not just referring to government subsidies. Actually, there should be NGO running different kind of services for the kids or for for Ella herself that she can make use of. Let's say the extracurricular activities. A lot of NGO、um, actually they offer after school tutorials for young children, and、uh, the, the the fees. Are actually much lower than the private tutorial centres are charging, and、uh, they are usually of pretty good quality as well.、Uh, I know there a lot of people have the perception that uh, uh, the NGO ones are not as good as the the、um, private one, but it is not always true. And、uh, for Ella herself, I think she can make use of all those.、Um, um, Let's say, like、uh, we we run a program with NGO. It's a financial literacy and employability training program. So she can actually take part in all those、uh, programs that are honestly tailor made for single mothers. And what she can benefit from is not only the the financial literacy training, but she can form a network with all the other participants. And we find out that、um, actually mutual support is really important for this group of.、Um, So, so they can provide emotional support as well as、um, yeah. advice on the financial side. Yeah, yeah. Like besides the knowledge and skills they attain from the course, right? They actually get mutual support from each other, and、uh, also, you know,、um, not only emotionally they get support, but they can exchange news within the group, and、uh, they also can exchange news about job opportunities. And、uh, I found that, like Ella, she. Let's say she is working as domestic helpers, I know, and then she is saying、um, she she is staying in North Point because on Hong Kong Island side they pay better to domestic helpers. But honestly, in the market now, what I learned from all our marginalised women participants, now the pay is probably around eighty to ninety, even in the new territories. And I think it's important for them to exchange news about like the market rate of like the jobs that they are working. So she should talk to other. Domestic helpers in similar situations, yeah, just to、yeah. see, just to network,、yeah. and get a better sense of what the market is and whether or not she should be looking for another job that's better paid. Yeah, and sometimes you know, like some、uh, women, they probably have a few domestic helper job 
offers they can't really take into, then they can actually ask their friends, their peers, whether they want to take up the jobs in whatever areas it will be. And I think it will help her to get like, chances of increasing her income. And is there training available that maybe Ella could consider? Uh, you refer to the training being a domestic helper? Sorry. Either training in the area she's already in or maybe retraining to do use other skills or do other things? Yeah, I bet if she tried to go into a um, community, like uh, an NGO in the areas, because there are different NGOs, like uh, having different centres in different areas in Hong Kong, she can just like walk in and then try to check out like what programs, what services they can offer to Ella, and then she can choose like whatever that fits in her schedule. And that's, I think, that's uh, how she can start making use of the community resources and try And are there grants and loan possibilities for her children's education? Yeah, that's another point that I was about to mention, because um, we come across marginalised women that they don't, they don't really know that there's such a surface. Like, they have a teenager children that they're going to go to, to university so they worry a lot about that like 40,000 plus school fee, university fee and uh, surprisingly we find that a lot of them actually they don't really know that mm. the government is offering grant and loan to university students and some of them, some of them, we came across some that they may think that oh, I don't want the kids to it, it will take ages for them to re repay the loans and because they, they you know they heard stories about that mm. and then they don't really have a full picture but by um, talking to each other by talking to social workers at a community center or the NGO then they learn more about all these options and the, the, the way how they can get help from all those options. So I should imagine at the Women's Foundation you come across a lot of people who are in Ella's situation, who mm. are newly divorced, um, maybe have children as well, are struggling yeah. to make ends meet. How important is it when you're in that position to reassess your financial situation and, and start planning for life after divorce? I can imagine it's a hard thing to do, but it's important to, to do that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, quite, yeah, quite sadly, because uh, most, I don't know, in our communities, probably most women, when, because in in the past, they rely a lot on the, the husband or, you know, the the yeah, the husband for family income. So they haven't planned anything at all for themselves. So, so it is, it's important to plan. It is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we we started doing financial literacy training for marginalized group and single mother is one of the communities. So can you give some details of that? How should people contact you if they're, if they're interested in getting on that course or getting some training, some financial literacy yeah, uh, training? Mm, actually, we work with a different NGO in offering this course in different areas. So. Um, they actually can contact me and then I can let them know, like in their areas, if we have any partners that are running this course. What I recommend them is just to take the step. Mm. Go into any NGO or like uh, community centres that are offering likewise services to them. Check this out. So if they want to contact you at the Women's Foundation, yep. Ellen Lee. Ellen Lee, yeah. And Ellen, your email address. Yeah, ellen.lee at twfhk.org. That's Ellen Lee, Programme Manager at the Women's Foundation, with her advice in what can be a very painful situation. 
But I must say, I did like her bit about positive thinking. Right, it's now time on Money Talk Extra to look at investments, a very popular topic in Hong Kong. A couple of days ago, I went to visit a very busy guy, Dickie Wong, Executive Director at Kingston Securities. Dickie, how long have you been involved in the world of finance and investments? Well, it's been so long, Peter. 18 years, 18 years to be exact. Um, I was graduated um, in um, 1999, before the tech bubble burst. So actually, I was just in the bubble, you know what I mean? Trade um, um, internet stocks while I am um, cracking my books in um, library. <laughs> Um, actually, my the first job I have ever I purchased was America Online. Oh. Do you re- yeah, still remember? Yeah, the fifty six k online business. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, it it made a lot of profit. Yeah, I, I made so much so so much profit. But finally, uh, the tech bubble burst, and I lost all of my money, including the money that my mom lent to me. So I learned, a, I learned a lesson. Sometimes you have to lose money, don't you, to really learn. Are, it's easy when you you're aren't always making right. money. Right. Um, you, know, you, you don't learn as much as when things go wrong and you have to start all over again. Exactly. So luckily I learned my lesson yeah, back in like 17 years ago. So yeah, I think it was a very good um, experience. Because I, I, I learned from the, the, the hugest uh, bubble ever, the tech bubble, we don't we don't um, pay attention on the profit. We don't look at the PE. We don't look at the financial statement. We only listen to the radio. We only uh, read the newspaper and just maybe a stock uh, commentator recommend and I just buy it in. Totally ridiculous. So what did you learn from that particular experience? Because that was an extraordinary period of time, wasn't it? 1999 up to right. 2000 when uh, the NASDAQ was going to new highs, PEs 5, 000, were, uh, yeah. you know, at astronomical Actually, levels. No, no PE at all. <laughs> Sometimes no PE, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so yeah. What, what was the main lesson that, that you learned from that? Definitely it's something that um, an old saying, Warren Buffett, um, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. So what I have learned um, by that time, we, we cannot um, invest um, stocks mainly driven by our ears. We have to look at it, look into it. We have to like look into the fundamentals, not only the concept. So I think if you want to invest your money into just um, some companies with um, very good sounding concept, but within any fundamental earnings to support, you can only put your your money just partially of your your saving into it, not all your saving, not all your eggs into one basket. So this is what I learned like 17 years ago. So ne- I never did that. But history yeah. repeats then, itself, doesn't it? And then people make the same mistakes again or a new generation of people who don't right. remember then go and make the same mistakes. And do you worry that maybe the same thing is happening a little bit again today, that you know, valuations are now so high that people might be making the same mistake? Well, honestly speaking, if you talk about the valuation, like um, the U.S. stock market, definitely is not cheap. 
like almost 20 um, times PE for PE for the S&P 500 index. Definitely not cheap. But still, there is some kind of fundamental to support this skyrocket valuation because the, the very low interest rate environment and um, the very, um, I mean, improving um, the, uh, the economy, not only the employment markets, but all around, especially in the U.S. So I, I still think that uh, the earnings growth for the U.S. market is still very healthy for this year. Um, even the Federal Reserve may hike um, to altogether three times interest rates this year, but the interest rate environment is still um, very low. So I think for those companies, especially those uh, technology companies, I think they can make good com- um, money. So I, I think there's some more room for um, the U.S. Uh, market to grow. What makes a good investor in, in your in your experience? Uh, as I said, be, be greedy when others are fearful. This is a one key point. But honestly, it's not easy to do so because when everyone uh, in the market they're fearful, they want to sell the stock. You want to sell as well. Hmm. So if you have to have another, I mean. Um, to avoid to do the same um, thing as most of the investor will, will do wrong at the wrong time, you have to have a very clear mindset. And also you have to divert all your money into, into different, um, um, I mean, not only um, different stocks, but also in different investment, um, I mean, um, portfolio, like... Um, like bond, I don't like bond at this moment because the interest rate is still going up. So if you want to um, put your money into the stock market, you have to define the, the, the risk level. Like um, the index-wise, maybe at a very a low level. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you buy like um, those um, very sounding, we're very, um, I mean, people talk about at, at this moment like internet stock, you have to control yourself, you can only put less money into this high-risk, uh, I mean, investment. So do people have unrealistic expectations sometimes? Do they want to make too much money too fast? Is there oh, that- yeah, definitely. Sometimes I, we, we listen to listener or the viewers, they call in to the live show. They always ask, um, not, uh, I mean, some question that, uh, you may think it's silly, you know what? After you buy the stock, you always think, oh, it may goes up maybe 10 or 20% just in a week. That's it's not realistic. So we have to back into um, realistic when you invest your real money uh, into the stock market. What's, what sort of mistakes do people commonly make when, when they're investing? Um, they always listen to stock tips. Some of the stock tips is... is uh, it's not um, even given by some of your friends that not in familiar with the stock market. This is crazy. So don't just listen to stock tips. We have to look into the company Great. of the fundamentals. Great to talk to Dickie Wong, a man with bags of experience. And each week we're going to talk to an experienced investor to get their advice and insights on how to navigate the tricky world of finance and investment. Thanks very much for listening to Money Talk Extra. As I said at the beginning of the programme, if you want to get in touch, do please email moneytalk at rthk.hk or go to our new Facebook page, Money Talk Extra. I'll be back next Saturday at the same time where we'll discuss another life-changing event, the arrival of a child. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Money Talk Extra.